Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now this is the drive at 530 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli They are hell-bent on prosecuting Julian Assange for criticizing the CIA. That's right. We'll talk about that. The United States Justice Department, that's that's the one you know they need to drop the charges against him. I'll get into more detail with you with that. Mayor Adams in New York is giving migrants, migrants, illegal immigrants, a $10,000 debit card. And uh, government is snooping on your phone and your car. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 30 minutes of nonstop talk for you. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here. We've got a lot to chat about today. And uh, I'm grateful that you're here. Last night, former President Donald Trump, the once and future president, Donald Trump, talked about a number of different things on a town hall meeting he did in South Carolina. The first question was, is this going to be your revenge tour? I've told you it's Donald Trump, the revenge, like Jaws 2, the revenge. This time it's personal. This is what President Trump said regarding revenge. Cut number one. The question about score settling, a lot lot of women, you know, they don't, a lot of women voters, they don't like the name calling. They don't like the score settling. They just, they love your policies and they just want Trump's policies, maybe not so much of the other stuff. So I think that's what the the question, if you don't mind my asking, I think that's what she's getting. Well, but but also you want to say, how do you get together? We're going to get together through success. When this country, the country was at a level that we've never, we had the best employment numbers in history. Everything was good. And this country was coming together. Then we got hit with COVID. But this country came together. Uh, I don't care about the revenge thing. I know they usually, usually use the word revenge. Will there be revenge? Uh, my revenge will be success. 
My revenge will be success. I like that answer, actually. It's a very, very good answer. Uh, he did really well last night. I thought he was on point. I thought he was uh, he was very solid. He's, he does well in those in those. That's his element, you know, with a crowd of people and everything. That's his that's his element. So who's on the VP shortlist? Is he uh, distracting us with these names or will one of these people be the actual choice to be his running mate? Cut number two. The audience has uh, been asked who they think would be a good choice, and various names came up. Um, uh, one of them was, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yep. He's made a big splash. Ron DeSantis, who's made in, making an appearance today in South Carolina, we just found out. Um, obviously, Tim Scott, Byron Donalds, and a, a big uh, presence here for Tulsi Gabbard. Um, very interesting. Um, our, and Christy Nome as well, I should say. Right. Our, our, are they all on your short list? And when can you when can we expect that you will so announce your choice? The one thing that always surprises me is that the VP choice has absolutely no impact. It's whoever the president is. It just seems uh, I remember when Sarah Palin was actually picked and she did have a big up. And then uh, they just went after her at a level that nobody seen. The Republicans themselves went after what they did. But you'll be a one term president because you've already served. Yeah. So you can only serve for one term, although they say you'll never leave office. I assume uh, yeah, that you'll do. never leave. There'll never be an ele- another say, election. Don't again. do it. He'll never leave. He's yeah. never going. Oh, these people. They uh, now, I don't think he's ever going to leave. I do. I think he's going to chain himself to the desk. But beside the point, uh, he did say those people on the list. Of of that of those people on the list, I, I think Christy Nome has the best chance. I based on everything that I that I, I I'm thinking. The question I have though for you, Henry, is what is more likely? Donald Trump picking Tulsi Gabbard as his running mate? Or Matt DeSantis getting Tulsi Gabbard back on the show. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to side with uh, Trump on this one. I think uh, he's a little more persuasive than Mr. DeSantis is. Yeah, so basically the 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 likelihood of her being Trump's VP pick, which is not good, is still better than the likelihood of Matt DeSantis getting her back on the show. Yeah, bingo. Right on, right on the head. I, I don't think yeah. it'll ever happen. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, of course, Tim Scott, though, is certainly on the short list. No doubt about it. I, I, look, I mean, it's not going to be Tulsi Gabbard. It's just it's not her 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 positions on guns. I I love Tulsi Gabbard. I do. I really do. I, I'm very fond of her. But I disagree with her on a lot of different things, economics and guns. And she's come. She's had a 180 on a many a lot of things. And you can't hold it against her that she was a Democrat. Reagan was a Democrat. Trump was a Democrat. I mean, people evolve. It's OK. But there's still some positions that make me nervous. It's like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. There's some positions that he has that makes me very nervous. His stance on climate change, for example. Um, Byron Donalds is, is, is awesome. It's great. But Trump's going to win Florida. Um, Donalds would be would be great. I mean, but again, I, you have to remember something. You're not going to get any credit with the corporate media for picking somebody because they're black, because the, the media is going to immediately turn around and say that they're actually white. You know, Uncle Tim Scott's been called Uncle Tim his entire career. They'll go after Byron Donalds and say he actually is a is a self-hating black man. You know, I mean, they'll do all that nonsense. So you, you, you can't do it for that reason because you think it's going to help you with the media. Now, does it help you with, with the black community? I don't, it may. I don't know. I, possible. I don't think people think about in that context, I, I don't. I I don't think so. I think they think about who could do the job in case Trump can. And I disagree with Trump on the sense of him saying it doesn't matter. I think this election it does because of the fact that look, you know, he's eighty. He's going to be eighty, and 
you know, Biden's uh, 86 going on 152. And I think it does matter thinking of who may have to take over. I would be fine if Byron Donalds had to take over. I'd be fine if Tim Scott had to take over. I'd be a, a little nervous on Tim Scott about some of the foreign policy stuff. I think sometimes he tends to kind of toe the old school GOP line on American involvement in foreign places. Um, that makes me a little nervous. Vivek is not, it's not going to happen. It's just not. I mean, I, I think Vivek has a lot to offer. He'd be great in the cabinet. He'd be great in other ways. But so of that list, I think Christy Nome is probably the most likely or Tim Scott. I think those are probably the two that I think are most likely. I've heard Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders name brought up. Um, I don't think picking a woman gets you women voters. I don't think picking a black guy gets you black voters. I just I don't think people think that way. I, th- I think that it's 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 foolish to think that. I'm, I'm if an Italian was running as a Democrat, like if Andrew Cuomo was running, I'm not voting for him, even though he's Italian. I'm still not voting for him. I mean, I, I, I the only reason I ever would would be just for the jo- the pure joy of having him as president for four years for me to make fun of. But that's not enough of a reason. And I love my country too much. I am a selfish person, but I'm not that selfish. So even though I have four years of the love president to just mock and my job would be so easy, I still can't do that to America. So I don't think that that whole thing matters. I think people look past all that, despite what we're brainwashed into believing that we only see color and we only see gender and everything else. He did single out Tim Scott last night, though. Cut number three. Um, When Biden ran, he pledged he was going to pick a female vice president in 2020. What qualities are you looking for in your vice presidential pick? Well, always the first quality has to be somebody that you think will be a good president, because if something should happen, you have to have somebody that's going to be a great president. A lot of people are talking about that gentleman right over there. Tim Scott. And he's been, he's been so great. He's been such a great advocate. I, I have to say, I don't, this is in a very positive way, Tim Scott. He has been much better for me than he was for himself. I watched his campaign, and he doesn't like talking about himself, but boy, does he talk about Trump. And I said, you know, I called him. I said, Tim, you're better for me than you were for yourself. But he's fantastic, and he's a fantastic person. Uh, so no, someone, I who want can somebody that can someone who can step into the role. Most importantly, you have to view that. The, um, All right. So I think, you know, obviously he offers there's a lot that he offers. And um, but don't. But again, and I don't think Trump thinks that way. So I'm not worried about that. And I don't think we do. I don't think that picking somebody just because they're a woman or just because they're black or just because they're a black woman. I mean, that's the kind of crap Democrats do. It's not what Republicans do. You pick the best person for the job. And who also who you think can help you get votes and also who you think would be a good representative for you on the campaign trail, because let's face it, that person's going to be out there campaigning a lot. And the scrutiny around that is going to affect the president so or the presidential candidate. He also talked about Biden and how Biden's declined. So let's skip over to number five, Henry. Biden's uh, diminished, no question about it. And, you know, Trump doesn't hold back on this stuff. And I'm glad he doesn't, because the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, Biden's hiding his own Easter eggs. You imagine these two debating. Can you imagine Joe Biden debating Donald Trump at this point? I, ca- I cannot. I can't imagine Biden getting on that debate stage. The things that he would say, the things that would come out of Biden's mouth, he's I've told you for a long time. That whole image of him as Mr. Nice Guy, you know, the kind old man in the basement, that was all BS. He's a nasty SOB. He's been a nasty SOB his entire political career. 
and he says stupid things, and they will not let him on that debate stage. I'm telling you right now, that will not happen. I don't think he's going to be the nominee anyway, but anyway, this is what Trump said about Biden cut five. Well, she's made, she and Biden have like almost, in a way, some would say, team up together. They're Biden's people to say, look, if you're going to complain about age, Trump's age, Trump's demeanor, Trump makes mistakes, forgets names. She's trying to equate Biden's decline, which is fairly obvious, with you for being, you know, 77. Well, he's uh, he's declined and there's no question about it. But he was always sort of semi-declined. If you go back 25 years, <laughs> no, but he was not one of the smarter people. He's tried to be president many times, four times at least that they know of. And all of a sudden, when he's most diminished, this is when he hit and he, he did it. But uh, if you look at me, I feel and I really mean this. And I would tell you, I, and I think you tell me, too, because we've known each other a long time. If I was, if I felt diminished, okay, let's use a nice term. If I felt diminished or declined in any way, I think I'd know it. And I think I'd say, I'm not running. Somebody should talk to him. But if he runs, he runs. Uh, he doesn't seem to be, I heard you say that he's very persistent and he probably is. I think most stubborn. people, I, I think that most people that run would be stubborn or persistent and, you know, just not want to uh, give up the ghost. But, uh, you know, we have a nation to run. We have a nation that has to survive. We have nuclear weapons and the likes of which, and you don't even want to know about it, the most powerful weapons in the history of the world, so powerful that you don't even want to talk about them. And we have him negotiating for us. And in his best years, he couldn't have negotiated. Well, now he has no clue what's happening. And I know Putin very well. And I know President Xi of China. I know them all. Kim Jong-un, I know very well. I did a great job with him. Do you think they'd prefer... Now, Biden is, in my opinion, I think the worst in terms of what Democrats can put up right now. I hope they keep him. Don't get me wrong. I do. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, Trump was asked about Nikki Haley, of course, as he's about to win bigly in her home state of South Carolina. Cut number six. Many of the same politicians who now publicly embrace Trump privately dread him. They know what a disaster he's been and will continue to be for our party. Some people used to say I was running because I really wanted to be vice president. I think I've pretty well settled that question. Has she settled that question? Well, I settled it about three months ago. <laughs> and look, it's, uh, she's not working. She's here. She's down by 30, 35 points. And everybody knows her. You're not supposed to lose your home state. Shouldn't happen anyway. And she's losing it big. big. I mean, really, uh, I said big Lee and big Lee. <laughs> she's losing it bigly. But we're going to we're going to really do a job. I think that, uh, as you know, when we went to Iowa, we got the biggest margin in the history of the caucus. The biggest. That's a long time. Why do you think we, she's staying in the race? Um, I don't think she knows how to get out, actually. Uh, I really don't. She did terribly in New Hampshire. She got mo- the only vote she but got was from Democrats. she has a lot of Democrats. money behind her. What do they think they're Well, they're out? trying to hurt me because of the general election. So the Democrats are giving her money and she's playing into the game. And I think she just can't get she just can't get herself to get out. Uh, she's doing poorly in the polls. Look, if she was doing well, I'd understand it. But she's doing very poorly. She lost uh, in record numbers in Iowa, record numbers in New Hampshire, uh, Nevada. Uh, no name beat uh, no name we had no name you know uh there's a story out today henry this is why i've talked about my backup plan 
you know, in case the radio thing doesn't work out. And more and more in life, I think you need to have a backup plan, especially in this business. I got into radio because Stagecoach wasn't hiring. Anyway, uh, my second career, of course, my fourth, fifth career, I've done a lot of different things in my life as a filmmaker. You know, and I've come up with a number of great ideas for movies. But my favorite of all the ideas is Cocaine White House Dogs, which is a spinoff of Cocaine Bear. And it's going to be a huge, huge hit. There's a breaking news story. Just came out on CNN. Biden's dog commander bit Secret Service personnel at least 24 times. Henry, 24 times Cocaine White House Dogs struck and bit the United States Secret Service. This movie is going to be huge. (laughs) Seriously, I mean, are you going to portray the dog as the hero or the villain at this point? I think the hero, don't you? <laughs> no, the victim. I mean, look, it, remember there was that story, there was cocaine at the White House, they didn't know whose it was? Right. Well, it, the poor dog sniffed the cocaine, he thought it was sawdust. <laughs> and lo and behold, he went crazy and started biting people. The dog is the victim, he is the he is the innocent one here. Poor commander, cocaine White House dog is going to be huge. But according to this story, there were 24 different instances of United States Secret Service Presidential Protective Division um, having the dog bite them in lots of different times. And it was 270 pages of documents heavily redacted to protect U.S. Secret Service personnel. And it started back in October of 2022 when an unnamed Secret Service technician described an incident and said they were worried about the family pet's behavior escalating and that something worse was going to happen to others. Members of the Secret Service's Uniform Division, members of the President's Protective Detail, and other USSS officials, they took place inside and outside of the White House residence, but also at the Biden family homes in Wilmington and Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and Camp David, and in Nantucket, Massachusetts. The Biden family dog is a monster, but it's not his fault because he sniffed Hunter's cocaine and went crazy. Cocaine White House dogs. <laughs> Imagine being the poor soul that has to type up 270 pages of <laughs> incidents where the dog has bitten somebody. Right? <laughs> One email description of a July 29th, 2023 incident. One of the more severe outlined in the documents, it reveals the seriousness of the problem. An unnamed special agent from the Presidential Protective Division's Counter Surveillance Unit was providing security coverage in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. As the agent walked to a backyard security post, the agent heard Commander start to bark, but he did not realize Commander was loose and off the leash. In the background, the Secret Service agent heard the voice of what was believed to be the FLOTUS, The First Lady of the United States, Dr. You always have to say that by law, Dr. Jill Biden, yelling. Commander ran toward the direction of the Secret Service, bit the agent in the forearm, causing a severe, deep, open wound. As a result of the attack, the Secret Service agent started to lose a significant amount of blood from his arm. He was treated on site by the White House Medical Unit, received six stitches to his left forearm and antibiotics for the wound. And there was another incident. October 2nd, 2022, an agent was bitten on the forearm while holding the door open in the area between the West Wing and the residence. That incident involved President Joe Biden. Commander and POTUS were entering the Palm Room through the West Colonnade. Commander came in first, circled back and grabbed my left arm. He then stood up and backed down. He is literally my height standing up. POTUS entered shortly after since he was trailing behind him. POTUS entered the Palm Room and said, 
something redacted. And uh, oh, the man. agent raised workplace safety concerns, saying they were sub- subsequently concerned about him getting out of the residence or being out without a leash for other safety and mine. There was another incident in the White House grounds where the dog lunged to bite but missed before the first lady grabbed the leash. In November of 2022, the dog grabbed a uniform division officer's right arm, and he had to have the arm treated at the hospital. And it goes on and on. The cocaine White House dog was out of control. But he's since left the, the White House, I guess. But um, there you go. I really want to know what he said when he saw the dog you know, attacking a Secret Service member. I really want to know what said, he said. Go get him, boy. Yeah. What are you doing to my dog? Something like that. Like yeah, not even realizing. Blame the agent. You had it coming. Good boy, Commander. Good boy. You know the Secret Service hates Biden anyway. They got to watch him walk up the short stairs. You know what I mean? And watch him trip up the short stairs. His dogs biting him all the time. They hate the guy. I'm telling you, they hate him. Do you remember that time where they he had that? There was that. Um, they were loading him into the SUV. There was a car crash like across the street. Yeah. And they took their sweet time getting him back into the SUV. <laughs> like, normally, they would just rush him in. They, like, took their time. His head was all exposed. I think they hate the guy. I mean, you'd hate him, too, if his dog was going around biting you and your friends. Yeah, it's a hostile work environment. Yeah, dog's biting all the Secret Service agents. I'd hate him. I'm surprised one of the guys didn't shoot the dog. <laughs> but I'm not suggesting that they should have, because, again, the dog's the victim. It's not his fault. Cocaine White House dog. Maybe that'll be the uh, the climax of the movie when they start shooting at the dog, like one rogue Secret Service member. He's like, I've had enough. Well, here's another plot twist. As a friend of mine on the uh, Philadelphia Police Department points out, how come the dog only bites cops? Maybe the dog is a defund the police dog. Have you ever thought about Ooh. that? You know that they have police dogs. What if it's a defund the police dog? Interesting. Defund the canine police. Doing the work from the inside. Right. And this dog is anti-cop. It's a cop-hating dog. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, you hear police dogs. That could be that could be the sequel. Police hating dogs or defund the police dogs. Oh, that's a I like that I like that movie title better. Defund the police dogs. And it's all about the dogs that hate cops and go out there and bite cops. Uh, because they're trying to get police dogs to be defunded. I like this plot. This is another... I'm a genius. I'm telling you, this is going to be a blockbuster. This is the new Airbud. <laughs> we're all we have a whole rich. franchise here. <laughs> Got a whole movie franchise. Cocaine White House dogs and defund the police dogs. I love it. It's going to be great. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Uh, a CNN reporter <clears throat> claims that Biden told his campaign to highlight the crazy S that Trump says in public. What about the crazy S that Biden says in public? But according to now, uh, this is um, reporter MJ Lee, who was behind the network's report in 2018 that claims Senator Bernie Sanders told America's mother-in-law, Elizabeth Warren, that a woman couldn't win the presidency. Um, he made the remarks. Uh, cut number eight. Yeah, Brianna, what we've learned is that President Biden himself personally instructed some of his top campaign aides to be even more aggressive in highlighting some of President Trump's uh, more inflammatory and wild comments. Uh, We are told that the thrust of the president's direction was to significantly ramp up the campaign's efforts to highlight the crazy shit that Trump says. What? 
We didn't dump that, Matt DeSantis. He didn't edit that, huh, Henry? I, I thought that, I thought CNN would edit it. That's on you TV. You think so? That's right? on TV. Man, um, Sharon K wants to know where's Matt. Matt is apparently driving back to Philadelphia. So I guess the equipment. We're down in DC. CPAC starts tomorrow. We're going to be live on Radio Row tomorrow and Friday. But we brought equipment down, and I get we tested it in the studio yesterday. And it worked, but now it's not working. So he's got to go back to Philly to get new equipment to oh, come is, back. Is that what happened? Because he texted me ex- uh, explaining he was frustrated. I didn't, I didn't get a response after that. Yeah. I feel bad he's got to go back. But yeah, that's I'm, terrible. What are you going to do? I mean, what, you know, I mean, he said it's an S show over there, too. I'm at WMAL in D.C. They're Westwood One. They're kind enough to let me use a studio here. But I'll be heading over to the Gaylord Hotel later tonight. It's the name of the hotel, the Gaylord. <laughs> Makes me laugh. I don't know why. You're I'm a child. Seven. Yeah, a child. Basically, I have a seven-year-old sense of humor. And then um, there's a big reception tonight I'll be going to with Ambassador Richard Grinnell and Gordon Chang's going to be there and Carlos Sands and Nigel Farage. You meet some cool people there. Anyway, I thought DeSantis was going to be my wingman, but, you know, he's heading back to Philly, so he's got to get new equipment and, I guess, drive back to D.C. So that blow, you know, that stinks. That blows. Speaking of cocaine... Uh, my car says, let's do a, ch- a quick social media check-in on Cherry by our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. Johnny Cook wants to know, did Commander sniff the cocaine off the tail of a Russian wolfhound? Great question. Johnny, I think he thought it was sawdust. That's what I think. Uh, my car says, the redacted comment was, that dog is so high on, country- on Hunter's cocaine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine that? If that's what the redacted comment was. As the, as the dog is biting the Secret Service agent, the president turns around and goes, Damn it, Hunter! That dog got your blow again! Yeah. <laughs> He's like yelling up the stairs. And Hunter's in his bedroom. Damn it, Hunter! <laughs> uh, Paul DiBartolo says, Rich, uh, Joe Biden said to the agent attacked by commander, I don't work for you, you lying dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> Very good. Well done. I like it. Keep the comments going. And thanks to our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill because relationships matter and they know our relationship on social media matters. So play along, kids. Play along at home with the Zioli Show home version. I have this idiotic clip here I want to play for you. Now, this is a... This clip, where is it now? Hopefully this is no curse words in it. Now I feel like we got to screen everything. An MSNBC guest claimed on Monday that white people white people had stolen every form of music in existence, with the exception of classical music. Stolen it, of course, from black people. The Daily Show correspondent Dulce Sloan weighed in on the topic, responding to critics who had suggested Beyonce's upcoming country album, after a lengthy career in hip-hop and pop music, was a step outside her proscribed lane. Cut 16. I don't know if you saw our last block. We were talking about the conservative outcry over Beyonce's upcoming country album. Once stop it, this stop it, stop it, stop it, stop. There's no conservative outcry over Beyonce's upcoming country album. No one cares. No one cares. No one gives a damn. And there's no conservative outcry. This is a fugazi. I have not heard one single person outcry about Beyonce having a country album. Not one. There's no conservative outcry over this. No one gives a damn. Believe me, I got a lot of other things to worry about in my life than Beyonce doing a country album. Who complains about Beyonce anyway? What's that? Who complains about Beyonce anyway? Everyone loves Beyonce. 
Who cares? No one is complaining about her doing a country music. The only thing I would complain about is if she started covering Frank Sinatra. And the only reason why is because I don't like anybody covering Frank Sinatra. Fair. I don't like anyone covering Frank Sinatra. Can I just get that off my chest? Please, tell the world. I just did. (laughs) I don't think anyone should be allowed by law to cover Frank Sinatra. Ever. That's the only thing I complained about. But where's the conservative outrage? Have you seen any conservative outrage over Beyonce doing a, a country album? No, I don't see any outrage, period. Per- period. Period. So that is what we call a fugazi. That's a fugazi. No one cares. It's just like the same time that there was all this fake outrage over when, what's his name, did uh, Fast Car. Uh, Luke the- Combs. Luke Combs did Fast Car by Tracy Chapman, and there was all this fake outrage over that, that he was, he was uh, I don't know, appropriating a, a black lesbian song or some nonsense like that. Tracy Chapman had no problem with it. She was getting paid, and she did the song with Luke Combs, obviously, a couple weeks ago at the Grammys. It was a fake manufactured controversy. This is also a fake manufactured controversy. No one cares. Believe me, conservatives have a lot to gripe about right now. Believe me. But the last thing on our list, and I speak for all conservatives right now, the last thing on the list is Beyonce doing a country music album. That's the bottom of the That's not even on the list. That's not even, I wouldn't even put that on a list if there was a list. I'd be like, you just leave that off the list completely. That's not even worth going on the list. Forget being at the bottom of it. Anyway, sorry. Go back to that, please. I don't know if you saw our last block. We were talking about the conservative outcry over Beyonce's upcoming country album. One could joke this whole affair illustrates uh, that the far right actually really hates cultural appropriation. But black people have always been a part of folk and country music. You want to weigh in on that? If white people hated cultural appropriation, then they shouldn't have created music. Because every form of music in America was stolen from black people. Rock and roll, jazz, blues, country pop music so if you have a problem with cultural appropriation mm-hmm. y'all created classical music y'all could have stuck with that <laughs> wrote a piano in this concert you see what i'm saying so it's yeah. like it only applies to the fact that well we don't like this thing we can't steal this thing right listen we keep showing up we keep showing up and we keep doing well y'all let us do gymnastics you saw what happened y'all let us do golf you saw what happened. Now we in tennis. Listen, when we start messing with the Winter Olympics, it is over for y'all. I, po- I don't apologize for the inconvenience. Stop letting us do your sports. Calm down. So it's like, of course you want to be upset. You're literally running out of quarterbacks. Right. So it can't be it's a conservative outcry. Y'all have nothing else to be yeah. mad about. That's all it is. Because if you want to be upset about something, gun control. You have all the time to fix that, but you wouldn't be mad at a Beyonce album? Girl, nobody think about them. They sound stupid. (laughs) Nobody is mad about Beyonce doing a stupid country music album. Amy, Princess of Profanity, says, am I crazy or is Rich drinking? I swear I am not drinking. I wish I was drinking, but I'm not drinking. I have not had a drop to drink. I drove to D.C. I'm doing the show from WMAL. There's no booze here whatsoever. I'm in a great mood because the show ends at 6 tonight because of basketball, and I'm going to go to CPAC and always have fun there. But no, I have not had a drop to drink. Not one. I'm a little caffeinated because I had nothing to do for three hours in the car except listen to you know, the radio and drink coffee, so maybe that's it. I don't know. Do I sound drunk, Henry? I don't think so. I just think you're fired up. I'm fired up, but that's okay. Yeah. It's good to be fired up. Absolutely. 
It's my job to be fired up. What do I work for NPR? <laughs> now, the um, thing about um, music appropriation is, is a very interesting um, thing. Classical music was actually stolen from the indigenous tribe of the Neanderthal. No, I don't. So I'm going to be fired up. That's who I am. Damn it. And if I am drinking, I would always be honest with you. I have no problem telling people when I drink on the air. I go to um, the Grand Hotel and I drink the entire show. I'm not ashamed of it. Listen, I am a descendant of Dean Martin, and I possibly am related to Dino. I have no problem with drinking while I'm working. In fact, I encourage it. I do. I mean, the Rat Pack, they drink all the time. I would drink and smoke. I don't even smoke. I would just drink and smoke at the Grand just for the hell of it. If I could, if I could smoke... At the Grand Hotel, I'd light a big fat stogie, pour myself a bourbon at three o'clock and just let it roll, Henry. Let it roll. Sounds like a good show to me. Damn right it was. But I'm just saying, I would never hide the fact if I was drinking. That's why when that one day when I was slurring because I had dental work done, people were like, oh, he's drunk. If I was drunk, <laughs> I would tell you. I would just be honest. I'm not going to hide it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I went out drinking. I got hammered. I mean, I've done the I've done the show drunk before. You know this. I've done it's. I haven't hidden this. I mean, not drunk, drunk because that be an FCC violation. But you know, I, after a couple cocktails at the Grand Hotel, we used to do, drink Bloody Marys in the morning, and now we bring we drink bourbon in the afternoon. So, and that's why when I went to see Doctor Mike Venaria, my buddy, the master of dental implants, and had to get a little Novocaine, you heard it, and it's okay. Because I used Novocaine, not bourbon, that day. Dr. Mike Venaria is a great guy, great friend of the show. Go see him today for your perfect smile. VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A. Coming up, Dr. Phil says the truth about, quote-unquote, gender-affirming care. We'll bring that to you. But listen, my friends at McCausen Lock Service, they are there for us every time we do our Travis Mannion Foundation Radiothon. And it's coming up next month in March. They'll step up once again. McCaws and Lock Service for over 100 years has been the family business for all of your lock needs. And if you have a key fob or you've lost your key fob, it needs to be reprogrammed, repaired, replaced, transponder keys, remotes. They can do that for you while you wait. And they have all makes and models they can take care of, including all the fancy cars like BMWs and Mercedes. And in most cases, they charge up to 50% below what you'd pay at a dealer. So if you've lost a key fob or you just want to have a spare one, always good to have, go to McCausland Lock Service. Tom and Chrissy are great people. They're great friends of mine, and they will take great care of you. They're located right on Route 420 in Prospect Park, PA, and they are there to serve you. The family business that stands with our veterans and stands with Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and is there for all of your lock and key needs. Key fobs, factory remotes, transponder keys, chip keys, and more. McCausland Lock Service. McCausland Lock Service. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Oh, crazy day today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I'm not drinking. I am snorting sawdust, however, and that does have an effect on one's brain. Uh, Glad you're here today. We have a lot to chat about in our final moments. Uh, We are done at 6 tonight because of basketball, but that's okay because i got to head over to this reception at CPAC. Anyway, we'll be live on Radio Row tomorrow and Friday. Brought to you by our friend, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile, VenariaDental.com. My dentist and my friend. Uh, the Biden administration is hell-bent on setting an alarming precedent by prosecuting Julian Assange. You know, I wish that President Trump, when he was president, would have pardoned Julian Assange. I think he should have. Uh, at Snowden, too, by the way. But... Unfortunately, the United States Department of Justice is hell-bent on getting this guy to prove a point. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange has been imprisoned in London for nearly five years, pending extradition to the United States, so he can be prosecuted for violating the Espionage Act by publishing classified information. Since that amount of time behind bars is about the same as the four- to six-year prison term that Justice Department lawyers have said Assange would be likely to serve if convicted, you might think the Biden administration would be ready to reconsider the case, especially since it poses an alarming threat to freedom of the press. Instead, U.S. government lawyers are back in London for yet another hearing, which Assange's attorneys describe as a last-ditch attempt to block his extradition. Recognizing the First Amendment implications, this is from Reason.com, the Obama administration declined to prosecute Assange for obtaining and disclosing confidential State Department cables and military files leaked by former Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning in 2010. After all, leading news organizations in the United States and around the world had published stories based on the same documents. And those acts of journalism likewise could be construed as felonies once this precedent was established. I mean, there's an entire Supreme Court case around this called the Pentagon Papers. So could the routine practice of reporters who cover national security, which commonly involves divulging information that the government prefers to keep secret. Despite those concerns, the Trump administration decided that Assange should be locked up for doing things that the New York Times and others do on a regular basis. Now, I want to make a point here about this, and this is, I believe it was Bill Barr, if I'm not mistaken, who was the attorney general. And I told you, you know, Bill Barr was a swamp creature and never should have had that job and never should have been there. And I wish the president had intervened to stop the indictment against Assange, but he didn't. You know, despite the fact that the media kept saying he was going to use the Justice Department as his own personal cudgel, he never did. It's the Biden administration that does that. The Biden administration that uses the Justice Department to go after its enemies and punish its friends. There were people in the Justice Department who wanted to get Assange. I think Trump was naive to all the things that were going on in the Justice Department to undermine him. And they wanted to punish the people that helped Trump, Julian Assange being one of them with WikiLeaks and what came out in the 2016 election. 
All but one of 17 counts in Assange's latest latest federal indictment relate to obtaining or disclosing national defense information, which is punishable by up to 10 years in prison. Theoretically, Assange could face 160 years in prison for those counts alone, although the government's lawyers say it probably would be more like the amount of time he already served in the United Kingdom. Manning, who, unlike Assange, violated the terms of government employment, received a 35-year sentence but was released after seven years due to Barack Obama's commutation of the sentence. Some say that Assange is a journalist and that he should be immune from prosecution for these actions, said John Demers, then the head of the Justice Department's National Security Division, after the Assange indictment was announced in May of 2019. The department takes seriously the role of journalists in our democracy, and we thank you for it. It is not and has never been the department's policy to target them for reporting. There is no need to worry... Because Assange is no journalist. The line of argument, of course, misconstrues the freedom of the press guaranteed by the First Amendment, which applies to mass communication generally, not just to the speech of people whom the government designs to recognize as journalists. And you see, this is the point. In this day and age in particular, how do you define a journalist? What is the standard by which you use It's not like a doctor where you need to have a medical degree and a license. So how do you determine a journalist? There was a time years ago where, I don't know, some conservatives said we should license journalists. I said, that's a stupid idea because then the government can take away those licenses. And there are people who are on who are on social media right now who are citizen journalists. I mean, James O'Keefe, the government doesn't recognize James O'Keefe as being a journalist, but the government doesn't have a right to recognize James O'Keefe as being a journalist. That's the point. I am not a journalist. I'm an, I, I'm an opinion maker and a flamethrower and also an incredibly handsome, talented individual. But I'm not a journalist. I don't pretend to be a journalist. I don't pretend to be. I have strong opinions and I share those opinions with you every single day, most days, most sometimes Fridays. But the assurance is similar to the reasoning that the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit recently applied in counterintuitively concluding that treating journalism as a crime is not obviously unconstitutional. In that case, it was a woman down in Texas who was a citizen journalist who was arrested in 2017 for violation of a Texas law because the government said that she was not a journalist. Like the Espionage Act that they're using with Assange, this purportedly criminalizes common reporting practices, in this case, obtaining information about a public suicide and a fatal car accident from a back-channel source at the local police department. That was in Texas. When it comes to Julian Assange, though, and what we're dealing with now, the problem is, of course, defining in the age of corporate media what makes one a journalist. I mean, I don't particularly think that anyone who pretends to be a journalist at NBC, CBS, or ABC is a journalist. The one journalist they had, Catherine Herridge, they fired. I mean, she was the only one, in my opinion, of all the corporate mainstream big three networks who was an actual journalist, and they got rid of her. Do you consider any of those people on any of those Three, the big three, ABC, CBS, NBC. Do you consider any of them to be journalists? Do you consider anyone at MSNBC or CNN to be a journalist? And I'm sure anybody on the left would say nobody at Fox News is a journalist. That's the point. I don't know how you define it. 
All I know is that if you start cracking down on this because you say, well, we, the government, have decided you're not a real journalist, so therefore we'll go after you, Julian Assange, but not you who writes for the New York Times, that's a very scary place because all that's going to do, of course, is empower the corporate media and terrify individuals who are citizen journalists. Is Tucker Carlson a journalist? He thinks he is. He says he is. That's good enough for me. I mean, I it, listen, if a man can identify as a woman, in my opinion, a man can identify as a journalist. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need a degree. You don't need to have a license. You don't need to be recognized or employed by anybody. You don't have to work for a newspaper or a radio station or George Soros or anyone else. You can just be a journalist. Nobody has to pay you. You could have sponsors. You could do it on your own. You could just be. You could just exist. You could do it for fun. I don't even think you have to be a professional journalist, but some professional journalists have proposed a similar distinction, arguing that he does not deserve the First Amendment's protection because he is not a real journalist. But whatever you might think of Julian Assange's opinions, his tactics, or the care he exercised in publishing classified material, that distinction is not grounded in the Constitution and will not hold in practice. Because the Constitution is very, very clear on this point. It doesn't give the government the power to anoint somebody a journalist. And by the way, speaking of Tucker Carlson, he sat down with Julian Assange's wife for a long interview about the whole process and the whole situation. You know, Julian Assange's real crime, of course, was going after the Clintons and WikiLeaks, and that's really why they wanted to get him. I'm not surprised the Justice Department went under him. And, you know, to say it's the Trump Justice Department, that's the same Trump Justice Department that undermined Trump. I mean, it's the same Trump Justice Department that was working to destroy his presidency. It's the same Trump CIA that was working to undermine his presidency. It's the same Trump NSA that was working to undermine Trump's presidency. You have to be real careful. And sometimes I take, I I don't like when my friends at Reason do that because they're not big fans of Trump sometimes and they make those little points as like a dig. But you have to remember that Justice Department was weaponized against him the entire four years he was president. I think he's learned a lot. I think the second term is going to be a whole lot different than the first. I think he's learned a lot of lessons now. But part of the reason why the Heritage Foundation, for example, is trying to go in there and restructure the executive branch with their vision 2025 is for exactly what I just said, because you have the ability to do what I'm telling you, which is to go in and undermine the very president who you theoretically, not theoretically, you work for. And we've seen that time and again. So Trump did not get involved in his Justice Department. And Bill Barr is a swamp creature who never should have been there. I told you that from day one. People call me and criticize me for that. Trump only hires the best people. Well, he didn't this time because Bill Barr is a disgrace. All right, listen, I got to run. Uh, we got basketball tonight. I got to head over to CPAC. We'll do the show live from Radio Row tomorrow and Friday. So tune in for that. Please don't miss it. And I want to thank my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo for their great support and great friendship. This is a great time to get to Cherry Hill Volvo now. They have a very special S60 courtesy car for you, available for less than $29,000, with less than 5,000 miles on it. Beautiful, luxurious, all the tech, all the safety, 
All of it. You'll love the experience at Cherry Hill Volvo. They're going through a renovation right now, but don't let that intimidate you. They have a lot of cars, a lot of beautiful cars in the inventory. And Judith and Yosef and the entire team will work to get you the absolute best deal they can to make sure that you are happy. And you will be happy at Cherry Hill Volvo. You absolutely will. So go there today. The Riding Route 70 in Cherry Hill, the region's most accessible Volvo dealership, easy to get to, minutes over the bridge. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships matter, and they prove that every single day at Cherry Hill Volvo. All right, keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Back tomorrow live from the Conservative Political Action Conference on Radio Row at CPAC. We're going to have a great show. Don't miss it. Thank you for listening. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.